Blog Talk Radio. It's already It's the Pressure Points Unpacked Podcast with host Tyra Little. We're live Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. This show deals with personal and community issues by getting to the root cause and causes on an open and raw level. We're unpacking emotional, spiritual, mental, and physical topics that influence and often control us. Get ready to unload, examine, and process. Let's get unpacked. On Never Handed So Good Sports Media Network, Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Well, hello and welcome to Pressure Points Unpacked Podcast. I'm your host, Tyra Little. And so this month, we're doing a series, Now That You're in Office. And so today, we have with us Dr. Oddity Fussells. Dr. Oddity Bustles, I thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day. I know you're coming right out of city council uh, work session to be on the show. So I appreciate you making time for us on today. Absolutely. Happy to be on. Well, first I want to start off by saying congratulations to you. Um, you know, you guys had a had, – we had to go back in and vote again. Um, had a runoff election, and um, you were able to um, pull the runoff election off, and you're the at-large candidate, and so just wanted to start off by telling you definitely congratulations. Thank you. So tell us a little, now that you had time to be in office um, and you are the at-large candidate, um, how's it been? It's definitely been a whirlwind. So for those of you all that have been following local politics, we were um, elected in November at the runoff, but we actually did not get sworn in until our term, which began January 1st, 2022. So it's really only been a little bit over seven months at this point. Um, And in the grand scheme of things, it's not a lot of time to learn everything that there is to know about how a city works. But that being said, I have just really enjoyed jumping right in and learning about budgeting, understanding the different departments. You know, I I was somebody who likes to ask questions, likes to dig deep. And so in addition to the orientation, uh, the one-day orientation that the city had provided, I actually then spent two to three hours with every single department in the city to get to know a little bit better what they uh, work on and what they what their vision is for the city. And it's just been a really great way to learn as much as I can to make informed decisions um, as we continue to push forward some of our priorities and ideas over the next several months. That's, that's really um, a good way to integrate yourself into the city. I mean, you definitely have to understand it. So um, that's, that's really cool. Um, what about as far as getting out in the community, um, you know, now that we're still working through COVID? Because, um, I mean, this hey, you're, you're an epidemiologist, but as you know, we're still, you know, we're still working through this. Um, people are, you know, having more in-person community meetings. Um, have you been able to get out to any of those? Yeah, I think that I was somebody, I think, a couple of days after um, being elected, I was invited to attend a neighborhood conversation um, at the Gable Oaks Community 
with uh, local neighborhood residents, law enforcement, um, and some community leaders. And it was, you know, an incredible way to kick off, um, you know, my participation as the next city councilwoman. And so I've continued to engage with our neighborhood groups, with our community groups. I'm actually working on um, addressing um, and preventing homelessness in our community. So Mm -hmm. by that very um, issue, I've had an opportunity to continue to cultivate and nurture some of the relationships I had already built as I was coming into city council um, and have really enjoyed learning from the lived experiences of the community. Yes. So, and you just brought up um, uh, a good a good topic um, when you talked about the homelessness. So when we're looking at this, I know that um, one of the things that um, Tamika Isaac Devine worked on while she was in um, was dealing with the mental illness piece. So from your findings of like dealing with the homelessness, when you look at it, if you could give maybe like a ratio number of how many people that are actually there's some mental illness there from what you're finding, what, what do you think those numbers will be? Or do you even see that there is um, mental illness also that's wrapped around the homeless community? Well, I think mental illness is a consequence oftentimes of homelessness, and mental mm-hmm. illness is also a factor or a driver of homelessness. So it's kind of this circular relationship. And we also see, because of mental illness, drug addiction or substance mm-hmm. abuse misuse also occur. That's not to say that everybody that has mental illness or is, you know, grappling or dealing with uh, some kind of addiction is homeless, but they are right. very closely correlated I don't have exact numbers on, uh, you know, the percentage mm-hmm. that uh, of the percentage of people experiencing homelessness um, in the greater Columbia community and how that's associated with mental illness. But anecdotally, and and working with a lot of our homeless providers and mm-hmm. and those who work in mental illness and mental health care, we know that it's a very close correlation, and that's actually right. why I was really excited to. Uh, you know, push forward the expansion of our Pathways Unit, which is a, a program that embeds mental health clinicians within our police department so that when right. there is a mental health crisis, we are dispatching people that are trained to address the root cause of the issue instead of treating mental illness as a crime. And because all of us counsel, the number one thing that we've heard continues to be a concern for residents in all corners of the city is public safety. This was something that was really important to us. And so early on, we approved the use of some of our American Rescue Plan dollars to expand this program so that we now have five mental health clinicians that will wow. hopefully be available at all different times of the day, um, particularly mm-hmm. with an emphasis around kind of those evening hours when we often see people experiencing homelessness interact in our entertainment districts uh, to be mm-hmm. able to get the care that they and, and get them connected to the services that they need without penalizing or, you know, unjustly maybe incarcerating those that are just having a mental health crisis. That's really good. I'm, I'm definitely glad to hear that there's now five on, on staff. That's, that's really great. That's really great. Um, so I see, I know that you, when we look at the different committees and stuff that you guys are in, um, I see you're a part of the the arts and historic 
preservation. The way the committee structure works on city council or on this city council, because from what I understand <laughs> is it has changed um, based on, you know, who's on council is that we all have a lot of different priorities and ideas and realistically you can't have these deep dive discussions in a traditional city council meeting and mm -hmm. so you'll notice we've actually created a lot more ad hoc committees and task force structured uh, types of committees to allow for us to address things in the short term as well as kind of see whether an idea is tangible or feasible in these spaces um, and so the traditional city council committees, which are comprised of three city council members and a chair, are a space where new business or ideas can be referred out to. So at the end of each city council meeting, there's a section where we go over, you know, those referrals. As the Arts and Historic Preservation Chair, I would be taking on discussions around those very topics, whether it's around historic preservation issues, whether it's around um, our kind of arts approach for the city, um, you know, that's kind of the, that's kind of the way that that would be done. So um, I actually, uh, in terms of leading a committee, um, the, the, the space that I've spent most of my time in is actually the task force to prevent and end homelessness, which I chair and the Infrastructure and Environment Committee, which I also chair. And then I'm a member of the Administrative Policy Committee and the Arts and Historic Preservation Committee. Um, so we definitely have our hands full in terms of uh, engaging on a lot of different issues. Right, so you're saying that you're the chair for the Environment and, and Infrastructure Committee as well. So um, let's talk about that yes, a little bit. Yes, um, is the Arts Historic Preservation Committee Chair, um, and he, but I work closely with him as a member of that committee. Okay. All right. So I want to kind of segue because I want to ask you a question. This is one of the hot topics that's going on um, on the north end side of Columbia. Um, over off of um, North Main. I don't know if you are you familiar where the Pepsi Cola plant is at. I am right before twenty. So, yes. um, the communities. It is not just um, my community. There are several communities that have some concerns because initially, um, they talked about there's a right at Mason Road in North Main. There is some property that is now being developed. So back, I want to think it may have been somewhere around your, I don't know if it was so far back as 2015, maybe somewhere in there, um, Bostick and Tompkins Funeral Home, they had talked about um, actually redeveloping that area and bringing some businesses to that particular corridor or coming off of 20, which would have been a very good thing um, to do because that is the gateway into downtown. Well, something happened there where with the plans or whatever that things changed. Um, I know that the property had been sold. Um, and so now what's happening is, you know, we're finding out that now that they're getting ready to put 288 affordable 
um, home apartments over there. And I know that even in council meeting, I've heard where they said, you know, no one is saying everyone needs a home. Everyone needs a place to stay. And we all know this. But one of the things that we're finding as a concern is that it seems like everything is being placed in the 29203 zip code. So there's a lot of information, I guess, that went forth during the time of the COVID area that a lot of us were not privy of. Um, And so now we have these apartments that are coming. It didn't seem like the city did a good job of being transparent. So I just had to give you a little bit of a little bit of a backdrop of what you know what's going on in the area. But how do we moving forward begin to be more transparent um, with the community? You know, they post some of the zoning signs. Um, and one of the things that I've really been trying to be big about is telling people, you know, hey, when we see these signs, you know, we really need to start contacting each other so that we can pay attention and be at this meeting to see what's going on. But I also think that um, the department zoning that's placing these signs, we need to do a better job of educating the communities. So if it takes coming out to some of the community meetings, bringing some of the signs so that people can see and know what it's about so that you have a positive feedback from the community versus the community feeling like someone is now just dropping another bombshell in the community without getting a consensus of what the community thinks. So what can we do going forward to to be more transparent with the communities? Well, I can definitely talk about what I've seen and what I'm doing personally to increase transparency as I share even on the campaign trail, making the city more accessible, more friendly in terms of customer service, and also mm-hmm. making Columbia where you don't have to know someone or, or you know, be in a certain group of friends or certain network mm-hmm. to get things done. That's something I really wanted to uh, move towards. Because I do believe that whether you were born here or you decide to make this your home later in life, everybody should have equal opportunity to engage with the city in a way that's meaningful and can help them in achieving their goals and dreams and ambitions, whether it's starting a new business or bringing a new idea to life. And so that being said, I am somebody who, after every single city council meeting, have been releasing what I call three things you need to know about city council. This Mm -hmm, is the first mm -hmm. time that someone's done something like this. I, you know, as a millennial and somebody who is pretty active on social media, I've seen a lot of new folks engage and try and understand how their local government influences their everyday life because of some of our efforts to make information that we're talking about easy to understand in small snippets, digestible And so that's something that I've already started doing. I have a Mm -hmm. newsletter as well that I send out. And then I've really taken on working very closely with our city manager to improve our PR. One of the things that a lot of my colleagues and I have talked about is Columbia doesn't do a very good job of telling our story. And so when you think about some of the ways in which we can improve the perception or even the understanding of the decision-making process, we've got to Mm -hmm. do better in terms of telling our story in a way that resonates, that's accessible, that's creative, and most importantly, is consistent. 
And so one thing that I've been working on with our, my colleagues and with our staff is really streamlining our communications process, improving the way in which we are communicating with different neighborhood groups, community groups, auditing our, our lists and our social media accounts to understand who are we reaching, looking at our engagement numbers. And then from a more, you know, human approach, really thinking about celebrating some of those small successes along the way. It's definitely easy to think about all of the things that are going wrong or all of the problems that we still have and need to solve. But that doesn't mean that there aren't bright spots along the way that we should really be sharing with people because oftentimes Mm -hmm. people just don't know. And if they know, you can see that their, their decision or their attitude or their opinion about something shifts very, very quickly as well. Absolutely. So from a more organizational level, that's something that we have all been working on. Um, and as someone who already is very active and uh, communicates in a way uh, that is very real time, it's been great to see the city adopting some of those practices as well when it comes to our engagement with the community. Now, in terms of meeting people where they are, I absolutely agree that it's important for us to be at community meetings, uh, you know, make these signage and verbiage more accessible and understandable. And so uh, that's something that we've been doing as well in terms of really challenging our staff to move away from the jargon. It's so easy to get caught up in the way you talk about things that the average person that doesn't know about zoning or doesn't know about budget doesn't understand it. And so you'll also notice that that I will ask questions that I know the answer to, but I will, I will, I will really push our staff to say it back to me in a way that someone who may not have the background on city government or, or politics or, or, you know, anything local can still understand what we are trying to do. And then I would say, continuing to cultivate a strong relationship with community champions and our local media to help us push out some of our initiatives has been especially important as well. So um, earlier this year, the mayor held a press release, uh, uh, I'm sorry, held a press conference. There was also a press release around the ways in which we've been working with the water department to improve our response and our customer service. And just being able to talk through some of the things that we've done that have made an immediate impact. So, I mean, our call time went down to a minute and some seconds in terms of how long you're waiting to to have your call answered about a water or or utility-related issue. And -hmm. it was much longer than that prior to some of the changes that we had made. And it just simply took creating an intentional space for us to talk about some of these changes and acknowledge what caused the problem in the first place to help the community really understand. And then I think over time, when you build that reputation, that you're willing to acknowledge the successes, the challenges, and what's still ahead, you build that trust where people Mm -hmm. are willing to be open with you and they want to talk to you and they want to engage with you around some of the ideas or or some of the um, problems that they have. Right. No, absolutely. Um, And we have to do better. And so I applaud you for um, having that level of transparency on social media um, because it definitely makes a difference. 
um, it definitely creates that trust. Um, and so, you know, I am glad to hear that you guys are making some movement in that way to be more open, but we definitely need to um, work with the zoning offices to maybe to get them out to the community so that they understand when they see these signs what they mean. Absolutely. And I think also it's an opportunity for new people to step up and serve. Uh, so we've done a, we've worked really hard to be more intentional about how we're recruiting to, to serve on these boards and commissions. So as you may know, the zoning, uh, so the zoning and planning commission, for example, completely volunteer based and has certain, you know, requirements as, as it's created in law, but there's plenty of opportunities for us to ensure that we are represented by people that live in our communities. And I'd mm -hmm. like to see more people that maybe haven't engaged in our boards and commissions engage now with this new council. And so we've been working hard to make the application more user-friendly, looking at ways in which to recruit, especially in communities that may not have engaged with our boards and commissions, Mm -hmm. having a better system of tracking people's terms and how long they've been on certain boards and commissions to allow other people to step up and lead. And so I, I, I think that that will contribute to helping people kind of understand, like you're saying, some of those zoning jargon or issues as well is when we start to have folks that live in the communities um, that are facing some of these challenges or opportunities also be a part of the decision-making process. Absolutely. And with that, I feel convicted, and I'm going to check that out this afternoon. <laughs> After we get this off, I'm going to go online to look and check out the application process um, because that that's, that's one of the things that's huge in my heart because I feel like a lot of times the community is not heard and they drive past these signs and don't really know exactly, you know, what they are. I mean, you see it, but you're moving. You know what I'm saying? You're moving fast and you're not really taking the time to actually read the signs. So I don't know if there's something else that needs to be added in there to where maybe they put something out in a mailer that goes to those addresses, even though they have the, you know, they may have it properly posted, but utilizing that as, well, hey, it was properly posted, but people were not properly informed, that doesn't work, you know. Yeah, and I know that the city has done mailers um, about certain issues in the past, but you're absolutely right. There's definitely ways in which we can be modifying and adapting the ways in which we're communicating to help people, you know, get connected and feel like that they have a good understanding of what's going on. Right. And then actually when people call to zoning, having them to call you back. I mean, and, you know, this isn't me taking the time. I mean, because this, this is obviously not your fault because I am going to call back again. But I actually reached out to the zoning office um, and I'm still waiting for a call back and haven't gotten one. Um, and, you know, and my question right then and there was dealing with the signs and I wanted to talk with them because I wanted to have that conversation and say, hey, how can we work together as the community to help you guys to get this information out so people can understand what they're seeing? So I, I really, um, let me ask you this so that the listeners may, you know, that want to get on your newsletter, how, how, do, how do we get on to make sure that a newsletter is coming to us? Where would yeah, they need so to go to you, sign up for it? 
lots of different ways. If you are following on social media, my handle is Aditi, A-D-I-T-I, for the city. Um, And there's a link on my Instagram, my Twitter, and my Facebook where you can click the website and sign up. I'm also not somebody that's going to email you all of the time because I know we get a lot of emails, Mm -hmm. but it is a really great way to engage. And I kind of do, like I had mentioned to you, Tyra, those short snippets of information where it's just enough that you have a good idea of what's going on, but you don't feel Mm -hmm. overwhelmed because... There are a lot of things that we are working on all of the time, and some of them are very, very technical. Uh, But I do think it's important for our residents to have a good idea of generally the high-level themes that we are focused on in a particular meeting. And then, of course, you know, I want to keep folks updated on some of my initiatives as well. And so, Mm -hmm. as you all may know, I launched Food Truck Fridays. And this is something that we did over the summer to get people out and enjoying our downtown districts. But it was also a pilot study to kind of understand if Food Truck Fridays are something that could maybe one day turn into a signature event and something that Columbia is known for, the same way it's known Mm -hmm. for Soda City Market and some of these other things. And so the response has been really amazing. And I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, how Food Truck Fridays may potentially grow as we have students coming back into the city as the semester begins. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, what are some ways in which we could maybe modify or change some of our existing policies and procedures around food trucks? to allow them to coexist with some of our great restaurants and really fill some of the needs some of our business areas and our our kind of downtown areas have for good food and an opportunity for people to connect. And so, um, you know, it's initiatives like that that I, I really um, enjoy sharing. And then the other, the other one that I've talked about is my uh, Lock It Up campaign. And so the Lock It Up campaign is a initiative that I launched in partnership with the Columbia Police Department, Parks and Recreation, and Serve and Connect in response to the growing number of deaths associated with gun violence. And Columbia, mm-hmm. unfortunately, is no different. We've lost a lot of young people to gun violence. Yep. And nationally, we've seen an uptick in gun violence and gun crimes. And so I often say the city can't do everything, but we can certainly do our part and be the leader in making sure that local governments understand that they can play a role. And like many people, when the Texas shooting happened, you felt helpless. You you kind of were like, well, I don't even know where to start. And so I really Mm -hmm. started thinking through, well, what can the city do specifically? And I got an email from a constituent um, in the southeast part of town who had just spent her time researching what cities have done to address different facets of gun violence. And she had suggested this idea of a gun safety campaign, which is really helping residents understand the importance of locking up and securing your firearms, encouraging Mm -hmm. others, what options are around safe storage, and getting people connected with resources that help prevent crime, especially among young people. And so we took that idea and really ran with it. And over the last three months at different block parties across the city, as well as at some of our our parks and camps and summer camps that have been happening, we've been handing out free gun locks, which also include a sheet where people can record their information about their firearms to make Mm -hmm. sure that they have it in case it's lost or stolen. 
And we've been handing out a services guide, which really catalogs all of the different programs that we have to offer that engages youth and strengthens connections and relationships amongst youth. And so this has really been our way to do our part to address Mm -hmm. some of the facets that contribute to gun violence, knowing that we have to continue to push our state legislature as well as our federal delegation to hopefully support some of those common sense solutions. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Oddity, um, I'm I'm excited for you. Um, It looks like you're really off to a great start. and I just want to ask you one quick question, and we're going to go ahead and, and close out because I know you have things that you have to do. But I always say we can't vote people in and then just drop them. We have to also, as constituents, be accessible, um, bring you ideas, and then be supportive. So what can we do as a community to assist you in making sure that during your terms that you're able to get the things that to hear our needs as well as to get the things done that you ran the platform that you ran on. So to help you to be successful so that all of us are successful, what is it that we can do to help you? Yeah, well, that's a great question. And I, and I said this at inauguration, I think I said, that the solutions to the problems that we're facing in our city will not come from city hall. They're going to come from the community. They're going to come from nonprofit groups, churches, small business owners. You all are the experts of, of your experiences. And the things that you are passionate about, you know a lot about. And I want to learn from that. And so I would say, first and foremost, if there's something you'd like us to be at that allows us to experience and be a part of your community or your organization, please let me know. I want to be there, right? I want to learn. I know that our our city is very diverse and has a rich history, and it's something that would take decades to learn, uh, but it's something that I want to immerse myself in and continue to, you know, cultivate relationships in. I also think it's really important to stay engaged locally beyond just voting, right? So I talked about boards and commissions. I talked about, um, you know, you know, before we got on this podcast, I was talking to you about the difference between our work session and our regular city council session. Mm-hmm. It's been really great to see young people or first timers that have never voted in a local election start to come to the meetings just to observe or mm-hmm. go to the, our homeless task force meeting just to observe and learn. And even now with COVID, most of our meetings are recorded. Actually, all of them are recorded and most of them have a virtual option. So you can also listen to them in the comfort of your own home and on your own schedule. But that's a really great way to continue to stay engaged and involved without, you know, having to make a huge effort. And then I also think it's important to recognize that we can't solve everything, but we've got to try creative things. And Mm -hmm. sometimes change is hard and it's uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. easy. And I would just ask, that my fellow community members be open to trying new things because Columbia has such a bright future. We have so many cool things happening here, so much great history. 
we just have to harness it and continue to build momentum and dream right. big for what the city can be. And it's really easy to fall back into like, oh, well, that's just how it's always been done. <laughs> but the way that it's always been done has been pretty inequitable and it isn't working for a lot of people, right? right? So <laughs> just being open to the fact that it's okay to try something new. And uh, when we kind of build that camaraderie and build that pride together, that's the only way we're going to move forward. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Dr. Bustles, I thank you. Um, <clears throat> thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule. I appreciate it. And um, I will definitely make sure that we stay in contact as well um, so that I, too, can do my part of everything that I talk about so that I can do my part as well. So, again, oh, thank you. Oh, absolutely. Righty. Well, you take care, and, um, hey, keep doing what you're doing. So. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> so we're we're live every Tuesday at 6. So this is Pressure Points Unpacked Podcast. Um, call in. At any given time, um, hit me up on any of the social media platforms to let me know um, what it is that you want me to bring on the show, what type of questions that you want me to ask, or what type of conversations that you really want to have on here. So I thank you, and we will see you again next Tuesday. It's, it's already done.